Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the after party for episodes nine and ten. It's the end of our first arc, guys. Congratulations. Woo! How are we all feeling? It's like a, a pit stop on our journey. We've pulled off I-90 and we're queuing in front of a uh, KFC combination Quiznos. <laughs> what kind of snacks do you guys buy? Can we be at a Bucky's? Because that was the oh, yeah. most wonderful time of my life. Uh, no. Okay, Bra- Brandon's resentful because this is d- related to problems he has with his parents. But the rest of us, <laughs> we all it's had a great problems. time. I just inherently think that anything my mom thinks is cool is probably not cool. So I don't know what that tells you. I mean, we walked into a rest stop the size of a Walmart and it was extremely exciting. All of us uh, and Eric Schneider and his girlfriend, Kelsey, in a minivan. It was extraordinary. I got caramel <laughs> corn. That was the best I've had in my life. Uh, Eric, you had like a pulled pork or brisket sandwich, right? They, they just had like a, a brisket station where you could have different types of sandwiches. Mm. There was a wall of jerky. The Brandon. wall of jerky was very good. Wall of jerky. Oh, it was incredible. Man. The bathrooms are also extremely, extremely clean. I will fully admit that the bathrooms are nice. Yeah. I My first thought, too, when walking into the Bucky's was like, oh, wow, if I were on the lam, this would be a wonderful place to come and, like, change my outfit, get supplies, like, uh, <laughs> seed some rumors about where I was going, refuel. Amanda, if... <laughs> if. if you were on the lam... If. The, ima- the amount mm. that Amanda talks about heists, I'm worried is just going to start happening. Yeah, it's going to gone girl you one day. It's going to be bad. <laughs> no. I- wow, I Julia. I really hope it doesn't <laughs> All happen. right, there will be full frontal nudity. I will at some point give myself a haircut. <laughs> then she goes, Ken kills Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> Guys, I like heists for the puzzle of it all. That's why. Okay. 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 Not for the murders, sure. Back to the issue at hand. Uh, sure. Congrats on the end of the first arc, everybody. We Yay! did it. We did. I am so happy we're finally at like the superhero part. Like now that you have real names and costumes and everything. I, I am also, and this was the thing I was really holding for months now because we got so ahead. Like, I think the podcast is very good and I've always thought that. But like ever since episode nine, I'm just like, <laughs> fuck yeah, let's get it. All so good. This fight, it's like we've really jumped a level. And I'm proud of myself, nice. but I'm also proud Two of levels. all of you. <laughs> oh, Brandon. Technically. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Hey, Eric, why are we leveling from three to five? We did this in the first campaign as well. This is something I took from Taz just because they had a very similar number of episodes per arc than we did so i'm just like every nine or ten let's just level them up this is also something we i talked about on previous after parties i think i'm gonna level you guys up more because of the development of superheroes as opposed to fantasy heroes it's like you really get control of your powers and powers progress a lot more in like x-men or you know think about spider-man how he went from being just a big doofus 16 year old to flying around zipping around uh with tony stark technology um so i just feel like it happens a lot faster so the arcs are going to be a little bit shorter but we're also going to do uh leveling up every two like we did last time i like it and the other big accomplishment of this arc like you said eric is like we're firmly in the superhero part now so why don't we talk a little bit about our costume and name inspiration since Mm. everybody on the internet is very excited to hear about it well i now like i wanted to say a thing and then i'll get the fuck out of the way i didn't know 
<laughs> like th that is what happens. I was just like, yeah, you guys think about it. Tell me what you want. We'll do like a branding session. And then Dr. Morrow will bring you a costume. And then during play, I was just like, oh, I need to come up with their costumes. <laughs> but I've only heard about their names and their ideas for their heroes after like 20 minutes. All right, I guess I'll just do that. So that all just kind of happened. Yeah, I want to I wanna say because we did a uh, like a private group chat on Slack to kind of talk about what we wanted to do and like brainstorm and stuff. I had a like almost exact vision of what I wanted Val's name and costume to be, but I know that Amanda and Brandon had a little bit less of an idea than I did. So it was fun to kind of talk things out and figure out like what names worked and what costumes would be cool and stuff like that. It was a very yeah. supportive group chat. It was very nice. It was. It was very <laughs> sweet. Feedback sandwich method. It was great. Um, <laughs> and yeah, immediately after episode nine, I was I was like, hey guys, let's, let's get into a group chat. Don't talk to Eric. L let's go. And then immediately <laughs> we, we just uh, brainstormed those things. I had a hard time thinking about um, the name, but once that kind of forest ranger um, inspiration coalesced, it became very clear, and I'm super happy with how it uh, how it worked out. So thanks to both of you for the help of the name, um, and Eric, to you for running with my Smokey the Bear inspo. Smokey the Bear <laughs> has a really great costume for someone who only wears like three pieces of clothing. Pretty good. He's out. just a forest ranger who's also a bear. It's more than most bears, three pieces of clothing. Mm, it's true. That's, true. That's a very there. good point. That's true. Yogi the bear only wears accessories. <laughs> I think true. I had even less ideas than uh, Julia and Amanda. Like, I, I think I came to both of them like, hey, help. I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I, you had you had great ideas for your names. It was just the costume that was kind of uh, catching you up. That's true. Yeah, I did have. I'm I'm uh, lucky that physics has weird names for things. So. <laughs> shout out to scientists. Shout out to ghosts. Shout out to space. Shout out to ghosts. I think it's worthwhile just to say like, what are your names? Where did they come from? And what were what ideas were you pulling from? Just to really nail it down and give people the juicy stuff. Because you know, if I don't know. Maybe theoretically someone wanted to draw. <laughs> I don't know. Give them a, a bunch of details or something. Or Maybe. That'd be great. I don't know. Yeah. So I went with Volcani because one, it was the first name that I thought of. And I was like, this is it. Great. Uh, there's a character in the X-Men who's a villain called Vulcan. And I like that name, but I also obviously didn't want the same name as an X-Men character. So Volcani worked really well because one, it's the plural and therefore it's kind of like gender neutral in Italian. And I super liked that. And Volcano is volcano in Italian. So there you go. I mean, I couldn't tell because you didn't say Vulcano. <laughs> Vulcano. It's a me, Vulcano. And then in terms of costume, I, I knew kind of what I wanted in terms of like, there's a couple of different costume characters from like DC and Marvel that I was like, their outfits are just like branded leather jackets, basically. So like the redesign of Spider-Woman and uh, Batgirl in particular were ones that I was thinking of. And then I was also just thinking about like the casual wear hero in a lot of ways. So uh, Evan Peters in uh, the X-Men Days of Future Past, I think was a another big one for me. It just like silver leather jacket and a t-shirt and silver leather pants. And then in terms of like the spikes that I was thinking of for Val jacket i really liked the redesign that they did recently for magic from the x-men in terms of just like 
well, one, she has a very skimpy outfit, so not quite that, but there's just like <laughs> these big armor pieces that she has on her shoulders that have these huge spikes. And that was kind of the image that I was going for. And big sword. Big sword, but Val doesn't have big sword. I give big sword to Moxie instead. <laughs> <laughs> I am looking back at the chat right now, and the first thing is Julia saying, let's make superheroes in all caps. And then in all caps, I said, Julia, help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that right. what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I had a couple different names that I was looking at. Um, I was mostly looking for like, um, obviously like spacey, sciencey things. I was looking at something like Macronova or um, Charmonium, which I think I put in there, but it sounds too much like Charmander. Yes. Um, <laughs> Eric would uh, never let it go. <laughs> Kilonova was cool because one, it sounds awesome, but then two, it's this like cool physics concept that just sort of was discovered, I guess. Um, after the gravitational um, waves discovery where two black holes like circle each other because of their gravitational pull and then end up combining and making a kilonova, which is like this either this big implosion or this big explosion. So I thought it was very cool. Um, and then Julia pulled together all the stuff for me costume wise. That was very cool. Mm -hmm. um, like Wiccan, which ended up sort of being the inspiration for the costume because it's very cool and I like it very much. It's very spacey, and it had the cowl that you were looking for, which I thought was like a good combo. Yeah, exactly. Gotta love a cowl. Gotta love a cowl. I want just more cowl. Like, if I had a sweatshirt that was a cowl neck that turned into a hood, I would wear it every single day. That's a legit thing. I'm sure we can find one for you. I'm sure it, it does, but, you know, I'm not going... American Eagle doesn't have a 40% off, so I can't get it right now. Uh, understandable. <laughs> I see. And for me, I didn't have any real ideas on the name. I was thinking like the the conservator or like the ranger. And immediately I was like, wait, well, the first one I don't even know how to pronounce. And the second one is a class. So that would be kind of confusing. So Julia had the very good idea about preserver and also pointed out superhero logistics wise that the word the tends to get dropped. So um, I you know, was thinking of myself less as like a title and more of a name by dropping the the. Uh, do, you, do you want to point out the, uh, the other name <laughs> that we came up with originally? Yes. And then both Julia and Brandon immediately said, I mean, Ranger Danger is very good. And I was like, guys, I'm not calling myself Ranger Danger. <laughs> <laughs> ranger danger danger ranger danger ranger ranger danger uh it's very good but um yeah i i was inspired by like forest rangers and that is definitely where my inspo came from i actually just looked up the the mission of the forest service which is in the the u.s department of agriculture oh, cool. um, and their mission is to sustain the health diversity and productivity of the nation's forests and grasslands to meet the needs of present and future generations so the government's thought institution but I think that this is a good kind of analog for what Aggie's mission is. And it's not to make the land or the community into any particular vision. It's to like preserve choice and stop people who have like a singular or monolithic vision for the for the space that would you know erase opportunities for others. So to me, that um, was very much, I don't know, the good analog for her. Yeah, I like that a lot. It's really nice. And since there is a uniform associated with that um, kind of profession and, and genre, I just sort of wanted to make a, a twist on it. So it's a little bit exaggerated. The hat is extremely freaking cool. And um, the colors are, yeah, like foresty, you know, green, brown, stuff like that. Fun fact, did you know that Forest Ranger uniforms are based on Smokey the Bear? And Smokey the Bear, it's not in reverse. 
What? Mm-hmm. No, what? that that is not true. <laughs> Yesterday in Head Heart Gut, Mike told me that Nicolas Cage invented the Cobb salad, so I would love a fact check on that. I was also there. Oh, I don't want to be excluded from this traumatizing event <laughs> that we both went through. It was it was a very fun recording. Why wouldn't they name it the Cage Salad then? Hold on. <laughs> That's also it was invented in 1937. Okay. <laughs> So it's just a lie. Well, we it's just a Nick, lie that we he We all know that Nick Cage is ageless, so it, it makes sense. Okay. No, he said it got invented in the 80s. <laughs> That's and we're just, just not like... true. <laughs> Join the multi-crew, uh, and, and you'll enjoy that uh, for yourself. <laughs> but wait, what? Where did Spooky Bear come from then? Oh, I'm just lying. Oh, okay. Oh, Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Brandon. Twice in two days, I've been bamboozled. <laughs> so I just expect this from your characters that are just like, that didn't happen. And I'm like, yes, they did. Now take 20 points of damage. But I can't <laughs> I can't damage you in any way for just blatantly lying to me in the afternoon. Only emotionally. <laughs> yeah, only emotionally. God. I do say that the uh, playing Dr. Morrow, hearing Preserver was very funny to me. And she just like looking at it from like a brand perspective. She's like, no, no, this works. We want it to be hard, a little bit hard to mispronounce for the children, for children's <laughs> sake. And that was genuine. I thought that was very, they were very fun. What would that sound like if a child said it, Eric? Oh, thank you, Pozova. Here's my kitty cat. So oh, cute. So, Adorable. So cute. I love it so, so much. So, so cute. Thank you for saving me from the robots. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, we're going to fight robots in the future, I guess. <laughs> That was Izzy Zephyr, age four. Adorable. <laughs> Bless Izzy. you, Izzy. Adorable. Oh, my God. Hearing that for the first time, I really try to put myself in the shoes of Dr. Morrow. Just like hearing it from you and then regurgitating what she thinks you want as your costumes, which was very, very fun. I really enjoyed that. And there were like four different DM things stacked on top of each other from yeah. for me. So I had a lot of fun. What did January think of our names and costumes? you're all really good i like how it it took your individuality and really showed off what you want and really made it distinct uh i think it's really i think it's really neat god what a pure pure buddy (laughs) so cute love it let's um stop briefly over in episode nine if we take our minds back to our encounter with ma um a couple questions about that someone in the discord named mayor dr morrow asks is ma's mech suit just a giant tub of ice cream if so what's the flavor yes correct I feel like it's got to be like cotton candy or something, like something mm. like that looks disgusting and also tastes a little bit disgusting. Can I pitch you another idea? Go for it. Werther's hard candy. <laughs> Gross. Somehow worse than cotton <laughs> candy. Brandon, that's just called caramel. <laughs> but oh, it's, good hard. Point. it's hard. It's oh. hard and crunchy and it, you have to unwrap the ice cream. Oh, yeah. There's just big chunks. Like there's full Werther's caramels in there. <laughs> yeah, and because so they're terrible. cold, they make it so much harder to bite It really through. extends your eating experience, I guess. <laughs> but in a uh, bad way. I was going to say, I think Ben and Jerry's maybe at some point had a oatmeal like mm-hmm. chocolate chip, like an oatmeal cookie ice cream mm-hmm. that I thought was a little sweet, but I like that idea. And I think a sort of like, you know, mom's baking inspired flavor would be Ma's favorite. Okay. So can I come in and say what really happened? Or are we sure. just going to leave Go that? ahead. Do whatever you want. No, she's not in a tub of ice cream. <laughs> 
the way that <laughs> it's I ruining I, the fantasy. Oh my god! The I, you're right. A, a, an old woman inside of a biofreeze containment chamber turning into a mech wasn't fantastical enough. Mm-hmm. She needs to be in Rocky Road. I'm sorry yeah. to if you can up it. If you can up the fantasy, that would be that'd be great, Eric. It's oh, a little okay. too Thank realist. You. Oh, I'm sorry. Da- dancing turkeys wasn't enough for you. Oh, <laughs> Gross. On that. Uh, no, so this was inspired uh, from Mr. Freeze, obviously, uh, Mr. Freeze's wife, but I took it in a little bit of a different direction. I always thought that Mr. Freeze, even the Arnold Schwarzenegger version, was very, like, focused because it's like, I love this woman and I'm going to do the thing, which is the only narrative that so many people were able to latch onto for so long. So I thought that it was like very straightforward and he was competent because he was a doctor and he was a scientist. But I like the idea that a bunch of like teenagers and 20-somethings were trying to do something for their maternal figure and they, whatever machinations that happened with the People's River, they put her in a biocontainment chamber. So it was like someone who was less competent trying to do whatever possible to put Ma in and save her from whatever disease or ailment was was hurting her. So she was like in a kind of classic like freezy chamber or science comic chamber, you know, like floating in liquid and all that stuff. Yeah. Do you think that Mr. Freeze ever gets mad that they don't call him Dr. Freeze? <laughs> He's got a doctorate. He's probably like a medical doctor. Why, why not Dr. Freeze? You know, it's, that's the real first, like, jab they can get into him. You know? I know, right? It's fucked up. <laughs> you see, he sees the papers, and he's like, no, I'm doctor! <laughs> Further, Zach would like to know if this is more of a mech like Dr. Loveless's spider body from one of the greatest movies in the 90s, Wild Wild West, which I don't understand, <laughs> or the giant killer robot from The Incredibles. Oh, it's man. more giant killer robot, right? Like, Loveless's head is just, like, smaller, I feel like. Yeah, it's really weird just having the legs come off, which would have been very funny. But no, it was really just, like, arms and legs bursting off of a cylindrical, like, torso that had Ma in a biocontainment chamber in it and then just, like, busting out. Uh, it was kind of like an alien, like, the Ripley, like, mech, mech suit. It's really just, like, arms and legs off of a thing. Because she's already contained in there. That was something, I, I don't know if that got explained, but I don't know how much control Ma had over what was happening. Because there was the emergency protocol that was happening of the robot suit, like, busting out. And it, it seeming like it was running away even, and I she didn't have controls. So I think that maybe the mech suit was doing something that was outside of her control. Oh, that's, that puts a whole new flavor on what we did then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I tell you guys what my plan was or what Val's plan was to do if Amanda hadn't rolled that nat 20? Yes, yeah. please. So I was going to take the breath weapon gum and I was going to switch it to acid mode so that it would burn through the glass of the mech container oh, God. and pull Ma out. I like that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. God, you would have switched it to licorice. That would have been terrible. <laughs> it's awful, but useful. That would have been terrible, Julia. <laughs> yeah, it would have been bad. I would be like, all right, now I need to figure out what it's like for this for this frail, ill woman to be out of her container. I needed it to stop. Brandon was down. That's true. That's Eric, does that mean true. that Ma is, like, where is she? Is that mean she's in jail? Or is that, was she a victim? Like, what? what is, what's the deal then? I mean, you don't say. know. Who yeah. can say? Okay. Okay. You don't know. It's funny because you asked this question literally in the next episode. We didn't get a straight answer I either. Didn't, we didn't know at the time that the, or I don't think we assumed that the mech body was doing something that 
I assumed at least the mech body was doing was controlled by Ma. I mean, even if she was fleeing, you know, to protect herself, I think it sort of gets at the same thing, which is like, this is unfortunate. She needs help, you know, and crimes are driven by unmet needs. <laughs> and like, let's yes. figure out how to how to help them. Yeah. I mean, if you want to follow up on it, you totally can. It's just one of those things, I guess, with stories and is something that we deal in adventure stories and in superhero stories and everything. It's like, it's just one thing after another, after another It's like, once the conflict is resolved, do you follow up with that? So if you want to follow up, you totally can. No, I mean, you know, I, I, I trust Dr. Morrow right now. We'll see. (laughs) I do have in my notes doc, like a list of things that I want to follow up on at some point, like dangling threads that we never quite uh, put back in. Love it. That sounds great. I love that. And to close out episode nine, Nicole would like to know our thoughts on the nephew's password. Was the (laughs) 80085 password something we improvised during gameplay or did we collectively decide it was going to spell out boobs? I just said it. Yeah, I mean, like that was something that Eric also said in the episode was that he rolled for it. (laughs) Yeah. rolled to see if it was boobs. Yeah, none of that was edited out. I'm glad because I really wanted to be honest about it and tell people what it's like to be a DM sometimes. Here is the note that I wrote in my document. Password. One tree branch looks a little out of place. A project on a trunk with a numpad pops up. So I'm just like, all right, all there is is there is a you need to find the tree that it is. And there will be a numpad. I didn't say what it was. I didn't figure out what the password would be. I didn't do any of that. So when Julia was just like, oh, I bet they did something stupid. It's probably like boobs or something. No, I think I Julia think uh, Amanda said that. I oh, said yeah. it's probably ice cream. And then Amanda said it's probably like boobs or something. And then I said it's probably penis. It was ice yep. cream flavors. And then I and then I was like, hey, we're dealing with teenagers. And then, and then Amanda was like, oh, so boobs. And then Julia was like, oh, penis. So yeah. I, ro- I rolled, which is something that I've learned from Dimension 20, that it's like if your players have a really good idea, you just got to like ask the dice if it's a true thing or not. So I rolled and I rolled like a three. And I'm just like, you know what, guys? It's boobs. You nailed <laughs> it. It's boobs. <laughs> it's boobs. So if we hadn't, if you hadn't rolled that badly, what would we have had to do? I think there were just some puzzle. I mean, it would have been a lot of guess and check. I think you honestly did one of the ways you could have solved this. Again, this is something that DMs do all the time is like you put a puzzle, quote unquote, puzzle or roadblock in front of your players and just see what they do. And if they do something interesting, it's like, yeah, you fucking nailed it. Great job. That was really fun and good. So you could have figured out a way to short out the password. You could have brute forced it you could have used your knowledge of who you were dealing with which is a totally valid way to have played this so honestly i just wanted to see what you all would do you could have looked for a key again under a rock damn it (laughs) we should always make a note to find fake rocks with keys that was another thing i was thinking about i was like they probably wrote it on a post-it and put it somewhere nearby so you totally could have looked for (laughs) it I got to keep remembering that you will do that in case we ever get stuck. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to keep putting it in there to see if Val learns at any time. Like, is that this is a rule within the full world. (laughs) So moving on to episode 10, uh, Joey would like to know, Eric, about the enemy entanglement chart. Where did this idea come from and how did you fill it up? All of us were so delighted uh, to play this this session. It was like the most fun I'd ever had playing a game. And I just want to know everything about the mechanics. I assume you can't share the like leftover ones on the chart. 
Yeah, so this is very similar to the way that I do the spirit surge is that I just swap out the ones that you use with something else or I'm going to keep them because it's someone who you hate a lot and got away and then is going to be more powerful (laughs) the next time you deal with them. Oh, good thing that no one failed that on that 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 part. On the worst one too, Brandon. (laughs) On the worst one. (laughs) Oh my God. I love this because we've recorded ahead of time and like that has repercussions and I just love it so much. Well, (laughs) I, I guess this is from exploration of other RPG systems and things like that. I guess I wanted to challenge myself to make an actual table that really works. Sometimes you make a table because you want the randomness of the world to get in there. But other times, and I mean, even when I, I made the massive item table, uh, I was like, yeah, I really like some of these items, but some of them I don't. And then I would like massage it a little bit to make sure that you got the good items or not the good items. But this one, I'm just like, all right, I think I'm good enough that at this point and this is enough set up that we can have villain, place, and scheme. Those were the three columns on the enemy entanglement table. Mm. So I made sure to have 10 of each one that I really, really liked. And then we did exactly what happened. You rolled a D10 three times and I matched it up. And then I needed to come up with a scenario where that would happen. I can tell you some of the places and schemes. I think that's fine. The place I had a hospital, which is like a la Joker in the second Batman movie. Armored car on a highway, of course, which is what ended up happening with Milo. Thornhill coffee shop. The docks uh, during a hockey game in Thornhill Arena. That was what Val did. Uh, Office building downtown on the Sky Tram. That's what happened to Aggie. Factory in Industry City. SUNY LTC or Mario University College. And then Astros, I pick a neighborhood. Um, the different schemes I had was just one, grab a MacGuffin, hold it up for money, kidnap an important person, that was Al Gore, uh, just straight up revenge, blow it up for chaos, again, very Joker, uh, MLM or marketing scheme I had, I oh. wanted to have like- <laughs> I wanted that one! I wanted to have like a villain, like in a different way, like a villain, it's not just like holding up a bank, it's something else. Buy Real my estate. candles! <laughs> <laughs> Real estate scam, similar. Uh, steal everything inside. Hacking for government secrets. That's what happened with the emperor. And then uh, it's just a ruse to fight the hero. You kind of just like want to scrap. Mm-hmm. I really like that. And it really pushed me to come up with ideas. And, like, why would you do a scheme in a particular place? Which I thought was interesting. And why I think Milo's scenario was so interesting was that it was like, all right, This guy, he's terrible. (laughs) He can control terracotta warriors, but he's also trying to get government secrets from an armored car. And then what are the repercussions of that if he's defeated or if he gets away? Uh, And that's what happened when Channel 7 and a half was on the scene. The the CIA or whatever the hell they were came in. The government came in and squashed it. And I thought that was just really funny. But now (laughs) it's like that was such a world building moment. It's like now we have the more of the government involved, which we've only alluded to a little bit with uh, Hank Lane with Milo's dad. But now there's a real presence of people dealing with villains and, and stuff. And like we haven't addressed like why is crime going up? Like, why has this happened? I guess, like, do supervillains meet superheroes? Like, do they just need, when one exists, the other has to exist in the same way that, like, if crime happens, someone needs to stop it? So I just thought it would, I just thought it was fun. I love it. It's so smart. It was it was a lot of fun. I remember in the episode that I was like, I'm very anxious rolling this because I didn't know <laughs> what to expect. And I went first. Yeah. Those were some of my favorites. I, re- I really liked all of them. But the Emperor was someone I really wanted you all to meet. <sighs> 
who uh, just, just sucks just the so worst. Much. Such a bag of trash. And then the crime jam was really fun. I just imagined like the Harlem Globetrotters, or not even the Harlem Globetrotters, the Washington Generals, like the worst <laughs> ones, like them becoming a crime family. And then of course Professor Transform. I just loved the idea of someone with like a Qualcomm tablet being able to try to try to change the universe. This is also very much like a comic trope with someone with a really, really, really powerful ability, but they get defeated immediately. Yeah, I just really love. Yeah, that. I felt so bad. I bullied that poor poor man but you felt bad about it in the moment so you know yes i did i was like oh i push him down oh no <laughs> oh man i what i loved about this i did put different like game constraints on this it's just like it was just supposed to be really quick so it was a challenge roll but since professor transform had his tablet he had plus five but then you wow. immediately broke it and then he had plus one so <laughs> there we go. you beat you beat the tough roll and then he um, then he's just a uh, like Someone who went to Pratt, you know? Just a dude. <laughs> yeah, he's just like uh, someone who went to, um, what's the one in Rhode Island? He went to RISD and that's it. Incredible. Man, I could play I could play that table all day long. And like, to your credit, it didn't occur to me that you had to come up with the logic of the scenario because you just mm-hmm. said the items and then like we were in the scene and I it didn't even occur to me that you had to figure that out. So it felt very seamless from my point of view and super fun and I want to play it all the time. Well, yeah. we're going to. We're going to do it every time in between arcs. I mean, things happen that don't need massive stories. So it's like, if you end up getting a new rival, who's to say the Emperor, if they escape again, like won't be a bigger deal in the story? Who's to say? Speaking of rivals, Joey would also like to know, why didn't Emily Slaughter give herself a superhero identity? That is a cool name, but isn't she worried about the consequences of being a superpowered figure? Mm. I have a theory, and it's that Emily Slaughter... Not the not the real good person who makes good dice, but the character <laughs> is a narcissist. <laughs> I don't think that's much of a theory, just more like provable fact. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yes, I think that she is the type of person who is willing to forego the regular things of superhero identities and code names. I know she has a really sick name, but it is like very much like Nick Fury in that way. I know he is like a ensconced within shield and not actually a superhero but it is similar emma frost was something that i was pulling from yeah. as well she's just like out there being uh, emma frost so it's out being herself <laughs> i cannot speak to emily slaughter in that capacity as well <laughs> but in regards to this conference that tegan reported on emily really put this stuff together and she wanted to be the face they can contact her. Look me up. I'll mess you up with my big sword. You know, it's kind of like a ch- it is a challenge if you're doing exactly the opposite of conventional wisdom. So that was intentional. Yes. It is interesting that like it always seems to be the bad guys that can pull off not really having a disguise in the superhero realm. Lex Luthor. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they just don't care or they are their persona, you know? Mm. It's a metaphor for wealth. When you have a certain amount, <laughs> you just think you're well, we untouchable. We know that Emily has a lot of money for some reason. That's true. Yes, we do. We don't know why. Well, speaking of Tegan, Kim Smith Happy would like to know more about everyone's reaction to the article. Uh, it felt like everyone was just like, oh, okay, and then carried on with Thanksgiving, lol. <laughs> I will say there is some discussion of the article that I pushed to the next episode. So there will be okay. more discussion of the article. Um, so I don't want to spoil too much, but we can give general reactions. Cool. Uh, yeah, I think Aggie was horrified and frozen and wanted not to think about it. 
I, I mean, I think it really did impact Aggie more than the rest of us because Aggie was the only person named. named and yeah. like, even even like from an aside, Milo and Val weren't mentioned at all. Like the the bank heist wasn't mentioned. None of our do-goodings during the uh the like with Professor Transform mm-hmm. and whatnot uh were mentioned either. So I, I don't think it really impacted them as much, but I definitely think it impacted Aggie. Yeah, I mean I think it would only impacted us in insofar as like we are attached to Aggie at this point. So yeah. like Aggie's yeah. you know unmasking could be ours as well. But it's also important to note that no one knows that who Milo is and he's never been seen on camera or film doing anything. Uh-huh. Suspicious. Never, never ever. <laughs> so But also it didn't mention the preserver at all either. It just kind of mentions Aggie right. and the O'Hare family as people. Yeah. And I, I think Aggie's reaction more specifically was less about like immediate fallout because I don't even think she's online enough to realize that, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it might be a, a problem, but more like drawing attention to the fact that her family is different and kind of tracing all of those connections. That was the scary thing. And also the fact that it may have repercussions for her team. And I think Aggie shares this with me of taking responsibility for everybody's suffering and want, no, not wanting to no. bring any more upon anybody that I care about. But no. But we will definitely talk more about the article and its fallout. Don't worry. Great. Yeah. Kim would also like to know, Julia, how uncomfortable were the new leather trousers that uh, Val <laughs> wears? How long did it take to break them in? Was there chafing? I think it took the usual amount to break them in. It didn't chafe as bad as you would think because Val is a barbarian, so they took <laughs> <True>. half damage. <laughs> so their skin is much stronger. I'm jealous. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Two times as strong. You took half piercing damage. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Feels right. Venick would like to know what kind of gadgets would each of us have on a utility belt? Hmm. Shark spray? Like us shark, personally? Shark yeah, okay. <laughs> us personally or uh, the characters? The characters, I think. And I mean, we will talk about more items in the episodes to come. I think some kind of like flashlight that illuminates spells or illuminates uh, spectral figures. That would be kind of cool from a a forest ranger perspective. So Eric, if you want to uh, make some notes, (laughs) that would be great. Val just has a shaker of powdered Parmesan. Incredible. <laughs> that's, that's like the equivalent of being like, yeah, I always have pepper in my pocket just in case someone runs up on me and just throw them in the face sauce. Away. Yeah. Aggie's real answer, by the way, is a multi-tool, which she always has on her, like even in the pocket of her robe at home. I think you asked me like in episode one or something when we were when we were doing this, and like, can I have a Leatherman? <laughs> is it yeah, possible as an item. For Aggie to have a Leatherman? I'm like, yeah, just like make sure like you can't use the corkscrew to like do something wild with it it's just a corkscrew <laughs> yeah i like made a list of the things and it is not a, a powered leatherman it's just like the one that i have here with like an okay wood file i can't I remember if this was aggie or during a ddr because it really is one of the same of the thing that you would want <laughs> or what aggie would want at this point i did carry one in a, a ddr episode but i i also asked that about aggie and like making the adventurer pack um tools or like the carpenter tools or whatever into something that she would be carrying day to day it's cool. Yeah, I think Milo would want probably like some sort of like phaser or like tricorder situation, um, mm-hmm. whether it be like so he could like shoot to stun or like use the tricorder to assess some sort of like, you know, information about the situation. It'd be cool if you could sense the person's lowest modifier score. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah, that would be neat. That's a good idea. That's true. You all don't need a utility belt because unlike Batman, you have actual powers other than being incredibly rich. (laughs) 
Ellie Page would like to know to wrap up episode 10, do Sushi and Tuna get along? Are they friends now? I have to know if they talked about Saab. I, I think so. What do you think, Amanda? I think Sushi is incredibly blasé and <laughs> finds Tuna frenetic and amusing, which I think is the opposite to how Tuna usually relates to the world, where Tuna is usually lolling on their back being like, I don't care. Surprise me. But I think the <laughs> dynamic is reversed and Tuna finds that disconcerting. I love that. I think um, they could have like a cat based like odd couple sitcom, you know? Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. I see that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Love it. I don't have a January here to make me a pina colada. Uh, so instead, guys, I'm going to break into the kitchen to refill our pitcher. Thank you. Be right back. Hey, it's Amanda. Sometimes when putting away the dishes, I feel like an acrobat because I know so perfectly the weight of those plates and cups and pots in my hands. And my motions are perfectly calibrated. I hang it without a a gesture wasted. I put the plates down without clinking them. And it feels for a moment like I am perfectly in tune with my environment. Welcome to the mid-roll. I saved your favorite mug for you. Thank you to those who joined our Patreon last week. Morgane, Paul, Sarah, Rob, and Joe Minoki. We say it every week on The Multitude Shows, but we are so grateful for every single one of you who chooses to support us on Patreon. All of us are full-time podcasters here Join the party, and it's due largely in part to your support on Patreon, especially as an independent collective trying to make it in a volatile industry during a very volatile time. Being able to count on your support on Patreon is absolutely crucial and literally keeps a roof over our heads. And as a thank you, we produce a ton of bonus content like bloopers, NPC backstories, and maintain, with the help of our mods, a thriving Discord, not to mention a full campaign's worth of bonus material. It's two and a half years from campaign one. Today is a great day to join us for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com slash join the party pod. It is also, by the way, my favorite time of year because it is the multitude survey season. Once a year, we ask your audience a bunch of questions that we've been wondering about. What kind of ads do you like best? What time of day should episodes come out? What kind of merch should we make? We're working on the dice. Don't worry. How are you enjoying our shows? What do you want to see us do next? Your responses truly do guide our decision making. So now is your chance to change the future and tell us what you're thinking. The survey takes about 10 minutes and can be done on mobile or desktop. Just go to multitude.productions slash survey to get started. That's multitude.productions slash survey. We are sponsored this week by World Anvil. This is a powerful world building platform and a specialized wiki for all world builders. Also a campaign manager for those with lots of notes to keep track of while running games. It is perfect for writers, game masters, and players to track their world building and characters all even while playing their games right there on the platform. GMs can build lore, maps, stat blocks, and timelines, plan sessions, and even share images and documents that you want to share during those sessions. Players can manage characters, make notes, roll dice, track your journeys and equipment, chat with your party, and show off your characters. Subscriptions start at $3 a month, and there's also a free version for you to try out. You're going to want to check out these tools. They are truly amazing. Head over to worldanvil.com and use code JOINTHEPARTY for 10% off all 6- and 12-month memberships. That's worldanvil.com, and the code is JOINTHEPARTY. 
We are also sponsored this week by Hero Forge. Talking about showing off your character, Hero Forge is the place to make fully customizable tabletop miniatures. You can choose between basically every variation you can think of. The base for your mini, their uh, hair color, the kind of hair they have, the style of hair, uh, piercings, things that they're holding in their hands. You can now change the the posture, the, the movement of their hands as well. It's truly, truly amazing. And they even add new things every single week. You can add dice to your order. That's pretty dangerous. You can even choose like animal familiars and mounts if you, like me, love to add animals to your campaign. So go on over to heroforge.com to start designing your custom miniature today. And watch out, you are going to get absolutely enthralled by the 3D model maker there. It's very, very cool. That is heroforge.com. And finally, we are sponsored this week by BetterHelp, a secure online counseling service. They connect you with licensed counselors through their secure app, letting you message with your therapist and schedule live phone or video sessions. I had one today at 10 a.m., which I normally would not be able to do with an in-person therapist because A, that's not possible right now, and B, getting anywhere and building time into my day to leave when I'm doing, go to therapy, do it, come back. It takes hours, and that's not always practical to fit into your day. But with BetterHelp, I can have therapy in my living room or in a private room at my office. And that is so flexible. They even let you switch counselors if need be. They don't charge you. It's easy. It's free. BetterHelp is also more affordable than traditional counseling with financial aid also available. I've had a great experience. And if you want to check out BetterHelp for yourself, you can get 10% off your first month of counseling by signing up at betterhelp.com slash join the party. That's better H-E-L-P help dot com slash join the party for 10% off your first month. Better H-E-L-P dot com slash join the party. And now let's get back to the show. All right. Returning, we have a new uh, picture of, of Pina Coladas here for us all to share in the virtual space. Um, World Anvil. Who knew? We could share drinks. There you go. <laughs> oh, no. I finished mine. It's all ice. Aw. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm tipsy on a Thursday morning. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chrissy Mack would love to know what kind of cocktail decorations and garnishes does January put on those frozen Pina Coladas? Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Julie's going to give a real answer, <laughs> but <laughs> what I'm going to say is just like really, really large slices of pineapple. Good choice. I like that. I actually, I think that's a better answer than mine, which is in Japan as like little snack things, they will sometimes slice apples to look like rabbits. And that's oh. what I pictured it being on the, the glass. That's Perfect. Pineapple rabbits. Perfect. Pineapple rabbits. I love it. We've already established that January is incredibly dexterous when it comes mm-hmm. to uh, crafts because of his calligraphy. So truly, sky's the limit. Maybe has like like um, like cherry nose or cherry hat. Adorable. Very cute. Cherry nose is, I think, the way to go. Yeah. Clara would like to know uh, for the players, do we ever make decisions that go against what we think our character would actually do because it makes the story more interesting? That's really that's really a good question. I genuinely try to always do the thing that I feel like Val would do in the moment. Like, I think that in particular shined when I rolled that very low perception check and then chased after (laughs) the teens through the woods. Yeah. Um, But I always try to do the thing that I think Val would do rather than being like, how do I solve this puzzle best? Yeah, I I agree. I, I think it's actually sort of the opposite. Like, I always try to do what Milo would do or what any character I'm playing would do. And it's more on the like character design side where I try to design a character that is either something in line with something I would do or, or like purposely 
not what I would do so I could have fun with that. And that usually ends up being the thing that does make the story more interesting anyway. Yeah, me too. I, I tried to design the character. I know I've said before, uh, like different to Inara just for a sort of interest in like me growing as a player. Um, but I also thought it would be useful to have a character in terms of like party composition and storyline who is really committed to the way things are. Um, because many plots in superhero media and also in D&D is about people trying to bring about change. And I thought that would be kind of a, a good tension um, to negotiate. Yeah, I think like like real people in real life like try to solve problems honestly and quickly and efficiently and with the least amount of harm. Whereas like characters in D and D, in order to make interesting characters, need to have some sort of personality flaw, right? Or like something that drives them or whatever it is. So they make mistakes more than like a normal human might. Anthony uh, over on the Patreon would like to know, Eric, you sometimes ask your players for info and direction in your stories. How do you give them what they want, but also keep the surprises coming? Ah, that's a really good question. I think I keep the surprises and I let them do everything else. Like, there are, as I've explained, I think, on specific episodes, like when I asked about rooms in Dr. Morrow's secret cabin in the woods, it's like, I would love it if you could help me populate the world, so I will let you. There's also when you make perception checks or insight checks. I have a lot of information that I want to tell you, but... If you were doing this in real life, I want you to ask me a question that I will then answer truthfully because you rolled well on a perception or an insider investigation. So it's not just like, what's, hey, what's in the room? It's like, <laughs> I'm looking for secrets. I'm looking for clues. I'm looking for footsteps. Or it's like, how is this person dealing with this situation? Is a so much better question than, are they lying? So I'd ra I want to hear that so that I can populate the thing that you want or are looking for that's about driving the plot forward. The other stuff is that everything about a world, so much happens that you as a person don't know about. And when that's revealed to you is a surprise. And realizing so much about Dungeons and Dragons is cause and effect. It's like, I do this thing, and then these are the consequences, so I do this thing, and these are the consequences. All that stuff is really happening outside of the world. I don't think Dungeons and Dragons does a very good job as a game system about explaining that, but in Blades in the Dark, which is about heists, which you all check out, it's an incredibly good RPG. They have like a circle system where you, when you want to do a project or where someone off screen is doing a project, you divide a circle into a certain number of of pieces. And then if over time or because of actions that triggers those pieces to get filled in and then when that whole circle is filled in then the thing happens but you can be doing something that you don't know is related to the circles off screen it's like oh i do all of these things but you're actually secretly furthering this cabal that wanted you to steal this thing to fight this person to cause a lot of chaos so that's something i'm really trying to keep in mind although i don't have these these blades in the dark circles it is stuff that i think about in between episodes I'm like all right this happened so i wonder if there are people off screen that are thinking about this stuff or people on screen who are doing stuff y'all don't see because we spend so much time one-on-one -on -one with the characters, which is why I like doing one-on-one -on -one scenes and individual stuff where y'all and go explore the thing that you want to go explore. Like, what is happening off screen so that I can surprise them later? My favorite part about that mechanic is that the the circles advance with time. And if you don't stop somebody or, like, try to arrest their project, the project inches toward being done. So mm. I had that in mind just knowing about Blades in the Dark as we were talking about the nephews at first. Because I was like, even if they're not 
heisting another bank this episode, they are working on something. And that mm. is what I think drove me and drove Aggie to, you know, like like dampness in your ceiling. It's advancing if you don't see it. And you gotta you gotta get to it. You gotta address it. You gotta find it a better place to live uh, before it, it caves in your bathroom ceiling. Actually, that's an incredible point. I'm gonna now that we've wrapped up what the nephews are doing right now. I feel like I can kind of reveal some stuff that you did that changed the course of what the nephews were doing. You Ooh. foiled the nephews in various places. So remember that initially the bank thing happened. They tried to steal that sign, which was important to them, but also they were trying to steal other stuff to fund the cash, which you now realize might have had something to do with keeping Ma in bio-free stasis, right? The other thing, when you and Emily Slaughter were deciding what you were going to do, if you were going to watch the jail or or stake out in historic Laketon, they were trying to break the other nephews out of jail. So then that would have been two different diverging paths. You would have tried to catch them while they were doing it, and then there would have been a big chase scene, or you caught them... Like you did the secret spy thing, which mm. is hit them while they were away and hit their home base. And because you scrambled out of that stuff and let the mountain lobster out of the garage, that my also bad, changed some stuff. I got to. Sorry, that's one more thing I have to add to my list of things we haven't followed up on yet. <laughs> so you you all did all these things that now you defeated a lot of them. The Knight of Mirrors brought in the guy who was supposedly at the top below Ma. Uh, the one who was trying to run Val over with an ice cream truck. Asshole. So they were really depleted. So when you went in and broke into the secret, secret home base, there were only like three guys down there because mm -hmm. the rest of them were in jail. So you, a lot of things that you did were styming the nephews. But if you had done different things or not done them as well, their clock would have been a lot farther. There would have maybe there would have been a lot more people in the secret base. Maybe they would have had a weapon, or they would have been a lot more put together. There they would have had a lot more ice cream trucks. Like that was another thing I was trying to push that like there were ice cream trucks roaming around that could have hurt you in different ways because they knew that you were trying to fuck with their shit. So like there was a lot of things that you could have done, but because you kept rolling so well and because I kept rolling like dog shit, was that you really had one over on the nephews and this is how it kind of shook out. And you were able to spend a lot of time with Dr. Morrow that their plot and scheme and whatever they're doing with the People's River and whatever happened with Ma only went as far as what happened. Nice. Well, it's good to know we made our lives easier by doing well. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't have told you that, but now that the threads are put together, it's like you you, you all did a very good, good job. superheroes is what I'm Val, Val knocked over an ice cream truck. Like they were, <laughs> did. They also, I don't think that they were very aware of the powered element because the nephews are kind of just like, they were a lot more on the, if you're on a scale of supervillain to like crime boss. They're a lot more on the crime side. They just had some like, super tech some super science tech mm -hmm. that we don't know where it came from and it's funny like all of these episodes for the most part were recorded before quarantine i think the last handful were the first ones that we had recorded remotely and even in that time you know our attitudes toward the police and toward crime are so different and i feel like now redoing the beginning of that arc you know it it would like my instincts would be different and it would be more asking like what is what is wrong that you are doing this and less you know let's you know figure out a way to like change your behavior yeah definitely about my my view of the use of police and media i thought it, i just think it's an interesting they were a really easy stand-in for government because there were people out there which is absolutely the way that the police are and for very bad reasons and are hurting people and are not actually in the people's uh actual 
um, interests. But the tension between I was really caught up in in like uh, police procedurals and superhero media that is just like, yeah, Jim Gordon's there and he's like the the regular human p- side do the superhero side. And it's just like, that's just not fucking what it is. And I saw Officer Roper just kind of as a bumbling incompetent cop, which comes up so much like in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, that's what Jake Peralta is. But now it would have been something totally different. And I don't think Aggie wouldn't have went to Officer Roper for help. And Officer Roper, if you did, would probably would have been like, fuck it, deal with it yourself. So that wouldn't have even happened. Yeah. We got an email full of very good questions from Megan. So uh, let's have a little Megan corner. We can like spread them out. Like they're spread. Use them That's as like true. sprinkles. You can't just dump all the sprinkles on one. We'll okay. spread them okay. out. Over. You can though. And then it's delicious. <laughs> Let's uh, let's sprinkle these Jim Jams over the ice yes. cream sundae. Brandon, Eric, and Julia, can the three of you name Aggie siblings as fast as possible? <laughs> no, I can't. No. Wait. Hold I... on. I'm going to try. Okay. Do you want to go first, Brandon? You can do can it we, the same can time. Can we do this collaboratively? Okay. So it's Aggie first. And then Danny. Danny. Aggie, Danny, Cassie. Cassie. Callie. Kelly. No, Kel- Kelly. Kelly. Quinn. Regan, Ryan, Quinn. Regan, Ryan, no, Regan, Ryan, Kelly, Quinn is how it ends. Regan, Ryan, Kelly, Quinn. Okay. There you go. Want to put them all together? Aggie, Danny. Cassie. Kelly, Cassie? No, Cassie. Regan. Regan, Ryan, Kelly, Quinn. Regan, Ryan, Kelly, Quinn. Okay, yes. Ryan and Regan are are twins, so I I split them sometimes. But yes, you got them all. Good job. Okay, great. Good job. It was, a, it was a group it was a group project. <laughs> like families. <laughs> this one isn't a Megan question, but I think it is in spirit. Um Ella would like to know if each of the players would transplant their campaign one PC into Lake Town City. Mm. Uh what what kind of oh. role in the story could they play? And Eric the for the uh, NPC of your choosing. Uh I think Tracy would freak the hell out of everyone out, so <laughs> I really? Think it in would our be... very technologically advanced city? I think it would be bad. <laughs> I think Tracy would be January's pal and they would pal around. Definitely. Tracy would be something that Dr. Morrow invented. 100%. I think so, yeah. An anxious mm-hmm. robot? Yeah, 100%. That fits in our world very well. <laughs> I think Inara would be a student at Gaga and get very <laughs> interested in the docs and what is going on over there. Shout out to the Mushroom Syndicate mentioned in the world building episodes <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and get her nose into trouble down there. I feel like Cole would be a low-level Moro Corp employee. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Who also runs a wrestling promotion, like a small indie one on the side. I love that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have established that there is roller derby in Lake Town City, so mm. I feel like Cole would scrap in there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, here's the thing. I think I'm bringing some really similar stone face energy, like split in between January and Sour Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Two NPCs need to do the power of one powerful NPC. So those <laughs> two. It's like if you smush January and Sour Anthony together, you get Stoneface. I think that's uh, that's really hurting Stoneface in a lot of ways, associating him with Sour Anthony. <laughs> Stoneface is like Sour Anthony's uncle. And he's like, he'll grow into himself. This is like, <laughs> it's a real dark spider, like a real Spider-Man Venom situation. Mm, like, okay. <laughs> January is all the good parts of Stoneface, and Sour Anthony are all the bad parts of Stoneface. Okay, that's fair. To close out our Megan corner of this episode, is the Crime Jam family related to Jim 
from Jim Jams. <gasps> I also have the best idea for a treat in like Lake Town City. Ready? Jim Jam, Tim Tams. That's that's a Megan original. That's TM Megan. Jim Jam, Timbley Tomblies. Yes, that's what I was gonna say too. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Jambolies. Jimmy Jambolies. Jimmy It was it was uh, Jim's effort at rebranding, but they didn't really take off. They, were kind of <laughs> they tasted bad. No one wants a licorice flavored donut hole. That's true. Oh, that's true. Yeah, but it does acid damage, so it's fine. <laughs> it's, yeah, but to your stomach. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> All right, is everybody ready for a spoily corner? Spoily corner, who can say? <laughs> That's so good. Do do do. All right, from Joey. What or who is the people's river and then four eyes emojis? Who can say? I wish who I knew. Can say. I would love to know, but I can't because it's just a river. What? Okay, here's this is. I would love to ask you this question so that I know what you know about the people's river. What do you know about the people's river right now? They have technologically advanced like weaponry and stuff that they have been supplying to the nephews. Yeah, I'm assuming yeah. based on a world world building episode that they are um, the sort of like environmentalist eco terrorism group. But I don't like know the mushroom true. syndicate people. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's all we got. Cool. No, good. That's that's what I was hoping. That was wonderful. <laughs> Darn, I, that. I feel like I failed to quiz that. Don't like it one bit. Who can say? Really? Who can, Who can say? say? Did you all see the graphic I made for myself? Yes, it's very good. <laughs> I'm like, mm, I make graphics for all my friends. I'm going to make one for myself. <laughs> uh, Blake Brinkley asks, how much of a heel turn can we expect from Slaughter? She has not sat right with me since she fansplained Milo's collector's item to him. Fansplained. I am suspicious of Emily Slaughter. 100%. So suspicious. I've never heard fansplained before, and that's very good. Mm. <laughs> Very demonstrative. Now, Julia, are you mad that she was written up in an article and you weren't? No, Val doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> Marmu19, Caitlin, asks, what were the other options on the spirit surge table for when Brandon rolled and Milo ended up on fire? What was the option that was most hilarious for Eric to come up with? Who can say? Who can say? Is it a who can say? That who is a who can say. I okay, The spirit surge, like I said, like the spirit surge, I refresh. So I can't tell you because it might come up. Oh, mm-hmm. a note on that, by the way, we did not miss a couple spirit searches in the like vignettes. We just they just like in their vignettes. So yeah, they didn't count. We don't do that. Uh, if I ever miss one, it's probably just because I edited it out for on accident or for some reason. Or whatever. Yeah, but I'm, we are very diligent. I promise. That's mm-hmm. fine. Yes, I was thinking about that. I'm like, I wouldn't have done a spirit surge in a vignette because sometimes they don't match up. And like time like passes, spirit. and it could have you know. Happened. He could have spirit off surged screen. off screen. Yeah, you're not going to spirit surge every time. That might be interesting. Oh, that's actually very interesting. About okay, I'll think about it. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, from Smoking Musket on Twitter, convince me that the voice that talked to Milo isn't the Council of Bright breaking through the multiverse. Hint: <laughs> You can't. <laughs> Who can say? Um, I, it, I think I could say it's not that. <laughs> all right, that's fair. Hey, and who, can, who say? can say? Really? Who can say? It is funny that you've given me two opportunities with your PCs to have them have direct links to a great and powerful unknown. I find that very funny. I I don't think I... I don't like this is not like a, a critique. This is just a statement that I didn't think about. Like I was not thinking about that at all. I was not thinking of like a deity for Milo or anything. So it's interesting that you went that way. Not even a deity. It's more like it's more just like we've established ghosts exist. So, mm. right. We need to reckon with that, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Listen, I'm not saying Warlock Milo shouldn't be a thing, but I'm also not saying it should be Milo's a just a druid, so... Okay. Mm, okay. Don't worry. Julia's already sent me... Uh, Ideas for multi-class. <laughs> and I've already given her a bananas one. And she's just like, oh, yeah, I really love it how in superhero stories, like, when something gets taken away from the hero, their, like, powers change and then become really, like, more powerful. And I'm like, huh. Because I'm going to have to take something away from Val, huh? It's not what I said. I said, if I completely agreed that if there was going to be a change of some sort, that is the only reason that Val would probably multi-class is because it would be in reaction to a major emotional thing. I'm hearing that that is an option for the DM now. <laughs> it was an option for the too. DM to begin with. Yeah. I just, I'll never get over Eric asking me at like midnight one night, hey, uh, which sibling is Aggie closest to? And I was like, oh no. <laughs> what was the answer, Amanda? You'll see. Who can oh, say? Okay. Now that you know that you level up twice after every arc, if you do want to multi-class, I would say think about it and it needs to make narrative sense. However, feel free to pull from the shit that happens in the arc and then use that as justification. Like, it, because this is an experience, it's milestone version of leveling up, but now you know the milestone always happens, so it's not just like, oh, you leveled up, congratulations. So mm. feel free if you do want to multi-class or you do want to change something, like you want to change your subclass or something or you want to change your class altogether, use the downtime to do that, 100%. Mm. Fascinating. Well, everybody, thanks for joining me here on a very rainy Thursday morning uh, for this after party. And everyone listening, thank you for your great questions, for your engagement, for your fan art of our superhero personas and costumes. I just <laughs> putting out into the universe. Yeah, you know. <laughs> thank you for hosting us with all the pina coladas, Amanda. It was very delightful. No problem. I have to find out what to do with this frozen drink maker now. <laughs> Make more frozen drinks. Now, Amanda, uh, would you say that we are the single most popular podcast in the entire world right now? Uh, no. Well, I think that, <laughs> that would be a really good opportunity for people to tell people to listen to join the party. That's so and true. Share it with your friends. <laughs> yeah. The end of the first arc is a wonderful time to get someone else into the show. I know that we're like the fifth most popular podcast in the entire <laughs> world. There's still ways to go up. We get up there. But seriously, the best way for the Join the Party family and fandom to grow is by you sharing the podcast with people you know. So uh, we think we're really neat, and we know you think we're really neat. But please, tell a friend. Tell your game person you play games with. Tell your cousin who just recently got into Dungeons & Dragons now that they're in college. This will be a great time to do it because we have 10 hot fire episodes, and we promise 9 and 10 are very good. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> Tell your sentient rabbits. And y'all don't even know what's happening in the next arc. Like, I'm this so is, excited. This is bordering on rude, but it's very good. I'm very excited. It's very good. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks again for listening. Bye. Later. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Unless you bring me a pina colada, and then it's fine. Actually, pina coladas are made with the devil's fruit. Coconut is nasty. No one should ever <sighs> drink coconut or eat coconut ever. Cut, right, Julia, cut, you cut off. him off. Thank we like Zachary. Yeah. We like Amarg. If so God wanted us to eat coconut, why?
Uh, sorry, guys. Jake has called me like three times in a row. Yeah. I'm just going to give him a call back. Sorry. Hold on. I have to go pull dough out of the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> for a calzone? Yes, for a calzone. Yay! Oh, my God. I want, I want a calzone so bad.